0: I'm so glad that you uh, came out tonight and are uh, with us. Um, I did not have any notes printed up, so there are no new notes tonight. Hopefully you brought your notes from last time uh, there because we'll be finishing up uh, this section uh, there. And uh, so so glad uh, to see you. Um, numbers are a little bit different uh, tonight so glad if you're visiting with us online uh, and I know why and I understood why as I decided to go this week and kind of look at what all you have how many of you know an hour and 40 minutes is just way too long right amen uh, I thought we had a good time last time but we're gonna uh, not take the chunk so big I had this picture in my mind of a, of a child who was you know let me go back H- how do you eat an elephant right what's one bite at a time, right? But it doesn't have to be one of those big gigantic chipmunk bites, right? You know, I just had this picture of the, of the kid just with their mouth jam-packed with food trying to eat it. So we're not going to go as long tonight uh, as we uh, did last week, and, uh, but we're going to have some time afterwards maybe for some fellowship and some time together and, and stuff like that. So thank you so much for coming out uh, and being with us. We are in our study of the end times. Uh, study of eschatology in the book of Revelation, and we're really just only in the introduction. We started the introduction last week, um, and we're going to try to finish this introduction uh, tonight, but we still have a couple more weeks to deal with this. So I just want to give you a little review um, as we move forward to this, just to kind of get us to where we are. If you remember last time we looked at the three main views of eschatology, they were post-millennialism, all millennialism, and premillennialism. Postmillennialism believes that uh, the church is going to make the world good, that eventually over time, the church is going to take over really the world, the government, and all that kind of stuff, make the church, make the world a, a utopia once again, and Jesus is going to want to return and, and come back uh, and take us into eternity future. That's kind of what post millennialism believes. That's a big word for me. All millennialism, the letter A in the beginning of that means not or no millennial reign. They do not believe in a literal millennial reign, just like post-millennialism. Believe that uh, revelation really just kind of gives us uh, the battle between good and evil and uh, that the millennium time is uh, symbolic and at some time Jesus is going to come back and is going to take us back to uh, heaven or to our eternal state. Both of those, if you remember, we talked about in the hermeneutical way of teaching, believe in um, what is called spiritual process or the allegorical process or symbolic process of studying the book of Revelation um, there. And then the third group is premillennialism. And premillennialism uh, believes that the book of Revelation, though in uh uh, po- uh apocalyptic writing um, is literal in future and these events are actually going to take place. And remember the premillennial position takes the grammatical, historical or literal interpretation process as we looked at last time. So those are the three main overviews on uh, that and how they interpret uh, Revelation 20 and the book of Revelation. And then we talked about the tribulation period itself and really looked at kind of what the purpose of of the tribulation period is there's two primary purposes for the tribulation. God's wrath poured out on sinful man, and then to bring Israel to repentance uh, and the acceptance of her Messiah. And now, you remember we talked about, uh, very important, we'll talk about it more tonight a little bit as well, that the premillennialist view uh, holds to a, a distinct uh, timeline for Israel and a distinct timeline for the church they are separate the church is not spiritual Israel uh, when we get to the New Testament Israel does not become the church and the church fulfills all of that um, God has a distinct plan for Israel and God has a distinct plan uh, for the church and so the tribulation period is to God's wrath poured out on sinful man and then uh, to bring Israel to repentance and the acceptance of her Messiah Um, And then we talked about the rapture of the church. It is only within the premillennial view that there is a rapture. The postmillennial view and the all millennial view just believe the Lord comes back, and when He comes back, those go to heaven and then those go to hell, and that's that's the end of it. We're in the eternal state. The premillennial view holds to the fact that the church will be taken out, and will be taken. It is separate than the second coming. Remember, we talked about that last week. The rapture is God coming, uh, Jesus coming for His bride to take them home, and then He uh, comes a second time to the earth to uh, for the thousand year reign there, and then we talked about the fact that the uh, rapture is broken down into three different time periods, uh, pre-tribulation mid-tribulation, post-tribulation and uh, where, where we were with that, you could either be raptured out before the tribulation period, you could be raptured out in the middle of the tribulation period, or you could be raptured out uh, at the end of the tribulation period and then come immediately back with Christ to re- set up his thousand year reign with him okay, so As you can see, you have a lot of options, a lot of choices to choose from. And I tell you, there are very wise, very smart, very intelligent people in every single one of these camps, okay? I want you to understand that this is uh, every, all the way through, there are people that um, are even smarter than me that hold to these things. But as I told you last week, and this is kind of from, from here where we're going to go, I believe the Bible lays out, and I believe plainly lays out, especially for someone like myself, that, uh, uh, that I hold to a premillennialist view that uh, the Lord is going to come back, He's going to set up His millennial reign, and I also hold to a pre-tribulation view that the Lord has not destined us for wrath, we are not going to go through the tribulation period uh, as a church, and we are uh, then going to go into the millennial reign. So that kind of recaps everything uh, from last week, very, very, very short uh, there. Um, And so, as I talked about last week with the fact, giving the verses, that I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, I ended up, and I just want to uh, restate this once again for you, because I I really think this is something that we need to understand in our day and age. The pre-tribulation rapture view has gotten the nickname of the escapist view, so, in our Western culture, we think that if something bad happens enough, we're just, woo, we're out of here, we don't have to worry about it, the Lord's going to come. And and we've had a lot of bad things that, that have happened, the Lord hasn't come. Well, the escapist view is okay because Jesus does tell us that, that we should desire to escape what the tribulation uh, is going to be. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to understand that we cannot live our lives thinking that, that because we, if I could put it this way, uh, because we get a president we don't like or someone in, a, in office that we don't like or because something happens we don't care about that, oh, well, that's it. Jesus is coming. I don't have to do anything else. Come, Lord. It's not going to be that way. Because I want you to understand that as we understand the tribulation period and we understand that the Lord's coming back, even though the the, the rapture is a signless Uh, event and can happen at any moment the Bible is very clear that there's a lot of things that have to come together in order for us to move in the tribulation period you do not I said this last time i to say it again you do not have the rapture of the church on Monday and then on Tuesday you've got a one world government a one world economy and a a one world religion It's, it's impossible these things have to be built up over time and happen and stuff like that here's my point my point is this And we don't like this in our Western culture. But the reality is, is until Jesus comes, life is going to get hard, and it's going to get harder and harder and harder until he comes, especially against those of us who are believers. And if you don't believe that, just go back to Israel's history. (laughs) Israel has suffered uh, at the hands of other peoples for more than uh, 6,000 years, and Israel is the heart of prophecy, I believe, and and God is going to come based upon uh, what's going to be happening with Israel, and if God has waited 6,000 years and hasn't come because of Israel, us... Americans (laughs) aren't going to persuade him if things get a little tough for us uh, here on the earth. So uh, I just want you to understand that uh, and where we are. And So now we're moving into uh, a timeline that God has set up. So if you have your notes, it's page number 8, where we're beginning tonight. And now before we get into that, I wanted to uh, ask... You had a week now to kind of process everything that was machine gunned at you last week. Uh, and since you've gone home and now are back, does anybody have any questions about all of that? Now, again, if you ask a question, please keep it as concise as you can because I'm going to repeat the question for those that are hearing online, are going with us or are going to hear it later. But after hearing all of that, me lay all of that stuff out, is there anybody that has any questions about any of that? Or are you all scholars already? You are scholars. I love it. I love it. Uh, good. So if, since you guys know it all, later when we get done, why don't you come to my office and teach me, okay? So uh, that's good. I'm glad. I'm, no, I'm glad you don't have any questions. I'm glad you understand where we are. Now we're going to see something here that God has done for us, which I think is pretty amazing. God in His sovereignty, are you ready, has given us a timeline of all things. Did you know that? God has given us a timeline of what's going to happen in this earth until the end. He's already laid it out for us. He's already explained to us uh, what's going to happen. He has done this prophetically uh, in the Word of God. And very interestingly enough, are you ready? He does this in the book of Daniel. All right, you got to go all the way back to the center of the Old Testament where God really lays out how all of this is going to play out even through our day and age to the end uh, of the earth, Uh, all the way back to 500 plus BC, Daniel is given the, uh, the prophecy of how this whole thing is going to play out, how it's going to happen and how, and I want you to see this, how accurate it actually is. It's amazing. All right, it's really, really mind-boggling. It comes in two ways. First, God uses um, a heathen, if you will, a person who is not a follower of God whatsoever. It's the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. And he gives Nebuchadnezzar, God gives Nebuchadnezzar a vision or a dream. And Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and it it disturbs him greatly when he has this dream uh, and he wants someone to interpret the dream for him Now, before we jump into that there, I've got this verse here I want you to see. Because there are road signs that have been given to us. Just as he did for Jesus' first advent, he has given us prophetic road signs so that we can determine the seasons and the times. And look what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 12. Jesus talking to the Pharisees here says, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower's coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be a scorching heat. And guess what? It happens. He says, you hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. Why do you not know how to interpret this present time? In other words, why can you not look at what's happening and see what's happening in the signs of the times and know what is going on right now happening and that the Lord is going To return that Jesus is coming again. And we should, especially for ourselves, be recognizing more and more and more of what is actually happening. And the reason why he says this is because God has already given us the clues. Like, just like he said here, the cloud is rising in in the east. You say at once there's gonna be a shower. How do you know? I see the shower cloud, right? Well, how do we know what's gonna happen in the future? God has given it to us in his word. Okay? We we know His Word. Uh, there's a scorching. Uh, excuse me. It says in here. There's um, there's a south wind blowing that you can feel and you and you know and you know there's going to be a scorching heat. How do you know? Because there is a wind that is there. He's already given us signs, if you will, uh, in uh, His in His Word. Now, little plug for next week because if you find this interesting, you're going to love next week and probably the next two weeks because we are going to look at the signs of the times. We're going to look at what's going on in our world and, and the signs that God has given us to let us know the, the scorching heat, to let us know why we are living where we are and what's going on. So that's just a little plug for next week. you got to wait. We'll get through this, and then you'll be ready to go for next week, all right? So one of the greatest resources that God has given us in his word, and I want to say to you this. You might want to jot this on the outside of your notes because you, 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 might, you need to know this. And I didn't put it in your notes, but I wrote it down. Daniel is the key to understanding Revelation. The book of Daniel really is the key to understanding Revelation. That's why we're going to Daniel first. You need to go through. uh, Now, when when I say Daniel, everybody knows about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody remembers that Daniel ate the vegetables instead of eating the meat. Everybody knows that Daniel went to the lion's den. All of that is Daniel chapters 1 through 6. That's usually where we stop. It's when we get to Daniel 7, 8, 9, and all the way through to 12 where some weird stuff starts coming up. And we're like going, "Wow, well, I'll just let someone else figure that out. I'm not going not gonna to read that. But it's where, we, it's where that ties into the book of Revelation. And so what we find here is Nebuchadnezzar had this dream. And I, I love that Nebuchadnezzar did this. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar goes to all of his magicians and sorcerers that he has all these guys that deal with this stuff and he goes I had this dream that was given to me and it really disturbs me I want the interpretation of the dream but guess what I'm not going to tell you the dream right I want you to tell me what the dream is and then I want you to interpret the dream well, what do you think they said to him <laughs> they, didn't tell, they didn't call him crazy because would, they would have lost his, their life but they're basically like no one can do this, king. What are you talking about? No one can do this. Well, they said, well, maybe there's one. Maybe there's one person that, that can do this. And so because of this, we know that God gave Nebuchadnezzar this dream. And we know that God gave the dream to Daniel then and then gave it to the interpretation to Daniel to give the king Nebuchadnezzar. And so let's look at this. I want you to see the scenario. If you um, in the back of your notes there, you have some charts um, or some, uh, the first one. And I want you to see this one where this big guy standing there. It's a statue that's there. It says Daniel chapter 2 verses 31 through 45 on the top there.? Okay? We're going to fill that in. All right uh, as we go through this. So let's look at Daniel chapter 2 verses 31 through 45. I didn't put this passages of scripture in um, your notes, so they are going to be on the screen, uh, so you can follow along uh, there, and I'm going to read them on the screen because I'm not going to tell you I can't read them in my Bible. Because I can't see very well yet. So, anyways, go ahead. Let's go. Let's read them up there. You're all looking me like, why can't you read your Bible? Shouldn't the pastor read his Bible? Uh, Yeah, but I can't see real well right now. In my my print's that big. So, anyways, that's bonus. That's just extra for you. Are you with me? We good? Daniel chapter two verse thirty one. You saw, O king, and so Daniel's telling him now the dream. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you and its appearance was frightening. The head of the image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay." He said, As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hands, and it struck the image on its feet, and iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold altogether were broken in pieces, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. That was his dream. That was the dream that King Nebuchadnezzar had. He had a dream of the statue, had all this different metals in it and clay in it and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden a huge rock, meteor if you will, whatever might be, came, struck the statue, totally destroyed the statue and the dust of it was wiped away and the stone that was there became a mountain all right so sound pretty cool huh right we're good okay and you're all going what does that mean well here you go okay this was the dream now we will tell the king its interpretation so not only did Daniel ha- see the dream that God gave but God also gives him now the interpretation here's the interpretation you O king the king of kings uh To whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of heavens, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. So King Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold. Now don't worry about filling in your chart. We'll fill it in together in, in just a moment, but I'm, I'm laying this out for you. So King Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold. He goes on, And another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like the... like. As you saw, the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, and they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay." And in the days of, uh, of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever." Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces, the iron and the bronze and the clay and the silver and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. And the dream is certain and its interpretation sure. So Daniel Daniel kind of summed it up going, and God told me all of this and I'm telling you right now and I know it's right. So, and Nebuchadnezzar goes, it is. Okay? So what is he talking about here? If you go to the next slide, Dave, this will lay this out for us. In Daniel, uh, what he's saying here, in the the gold, so go go ahead and hit, there, you got it, man. The head is the gold. 606 BC is the Babylonian Empire was uh, started. This was the empire there of King Nebuchadnezzar. This is the empire that Daniel was a part of right now. He's talking to King Nebuchadnezzar. He's in this empire. He's been, remember, he's a child of Israel. He's been taken into Babylonian captivity. King Nebuchadnezzar is the king, all right? King Nebuchadnezzar reigned, uh, and and the Babylonian Empire reigned until 536 B.C., and we see that 536 B.C. had a dual reign, and it is the dual empire of the Medes, M-E-D-E-S, and Persians, okay? Now, Daniel was alive even as the Medes and Persians came into Rule, do you remember in Daniel Chapter Six, when he was thrown into the lion's den, do you remember who the king was? It was King Darius at that time. King Darius was the the king of the Medes. remember when when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den he they, he said that the um, the uh, law that was given was given and stamped by the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be altered whatsoever, so Daniel had to go, so we already see that that Daniel lived through the Babylonian Empire towards the end of that and then into the Medes and Persian Empire. And so Darius was uh, the king over the Medes. Uh, Cyrus was the king over the Persians. And quite honestly, the Persians were the higher part of the ruling and then the Medes were the lower and eventually the Persians overtook the Medes. But in this time, that's, and that's why we see the silver body and the two arms. The two, one is the Medes, one is the Persians, all right? So you see the two groups together there. Then we have the waist there, on, on there, in 336 B.C., uh, the Greek Empire takes over of brass, okay? And the ruler of that was Alexander the Great. Remember, Alexander the Great and the Greek, there, there took over uh, all of the area, And then we get to the bottom part of uh, the skirt, if you'll let me say that, whatever it is there. Um, We have the legs that are together, okay? And uh, in 200 B.C., uh, this was the United Roman Republic, okay? The United Roman Empire in 200 B.C. Now... Legend says that the Roman Empire began here uh, by two brothers, Romulus and Remus. There's a lot of mythical stuff that goes with it, a lot of things that we know and we don't know. What we do know, though, is that uh, the empire was solidified under Caesar Augustus. All right? He was the first uh, solo emperor to be emperor over Rome there. Okay? And then in uh, three hundred and fifty nine A.D. Now we've now we've gone many many years ahead, past the life of Jesus. Uh, Rome had become a Christian nation in three hundred B.C. and or, or A.D. Excuse me, in three ninety five A.D. Uh, Rome split; it split into the Western uh, and the Eastern Roman Empire. Okay? We know this and we understand this because out of the Western uh, Roman Empire came the Roman Catholic Church. Out of the Eastern Roman Empire came the Eastern Orthodox Church. And we see that division there uh, take place and spread. And then when we get down to the feet there, uh, we don't know when this is going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. The Bible calls this the revived Roman Empire and it's going to be in the end times. Okay, now revived Roman Empire doesn't necessarily mean that Rome is going to be the world leader at the end time. It may not even be called Rome, it may not be Rome whatsoever. Rome is just used because this was the dominating power of the day that they used to show how this is going to come, the feeder with uh, metal and clay, which is what Rome was made out of, the iron, the, the, the iron culture there, and, and so forth. So that's kind of how that plays out. And then one other thing that's not on here that I want you to kind of put off to the side, maybe um, to the back of the uh, statue there, is the rock, okay? The rock. Who's our rock. Jesus is our rock. The rock, what a beautiful picture, comes in and uh, wipes it all out. And God sets up his eternal kingdom. His millennial reign, his eternal kingdom forever and ever, comes in and and basically it's showing that God is more powerful than, than all of these, okay? So, we have a timeline given by this dream to Daniel from God to Nebuchadnezzar, from Daniel interpreting from 606 B.C. all the way to the end of time. And I want you to know that every single one of these times came through perfectly uh, as was this, was this prophecy was given before, 600, before 606 B.C. in there, when Daniel was there, and with Nebuchadnezzar. And he goes, and then here's this other world power, and guess what? Medes and Persians became a world power. And then came uh, the Greek Empire, and remember, and then they took over, and then the Roman took over, and then now we're moving forward. Now, that in and of itself is really cool to me, I think, to, to see that God gave us that. Before we move on, are there any questions on this? Gloria. It's not necessarily going to be, uh, I mean, it's not like Rome today in Italy is going to become a world world power. It's using the term Rome there as a symbol or a picture of there's going to be one world government that's going to take place. Uh, you know, Rome will be a part of it, but um, I don't think that Rome is really uh, dealing with the specific there, uh, which I don't think I repeated the question. What was I saying about the revised Rome? That was it, that I don't think that Rome is necessarily the name of that uh, there, okay? And then, then again, it could be. I mean, it, it could be, but, you know, I don't think, think so. So, God has now given this to King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel has interpreted it. And if he did that one time, that would be awesome. But then God decides to repeat this for Daniel himself and give Daniel another vision in chapter number 7. So let's look over at chapter number 7 now to reconfirm this. And Daniel's given different type of imagery uh, here other than a statue. And so your next chart right after that, you're going to see on there the lion, the bear, the leopard, the fierce beast, and the ten horns. We're going to fill that in. Okay? All right. Um, and so you're going to see how this correlates. It says in verse number one, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions uh, of, his he- of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up uh, the great seas. That four winds of heaven is four angels, is is what he's referring to, because he's going to go up and ask one of the angels. Angels were, were were very much a part of Daniel's visions there, so let's move on. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. "'The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. "'And then as I looked, its wings were plucked off, "'and it was lifted up from the ground "'and made to stand on two feet like a man "'and was given the mind of a man.'" And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear, was, it was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth and it was told, arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked and behold, another like a leopard with four wings uh, of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads and dominion was given to it. And after this I saw... In the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It, it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up. By the roots, and behold, in this horn there were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Are you all weirded out yet? That's pretty weird, isn't it? Right. This is what we call apocalyptic writing. Okay, this this is apocalyptic writing. Uh, this is supposed to be just Daniel verses fifteen and sixteen. Typo. Sorry. Um, As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the vision of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there. Those one of those that stood there was the angel, the four winds, remember, and asked him the truth concerning all this, so he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things, okay? So Daniel's had this dream, these four weird beasts, a lion with wings, a bear bear with uh, ribs uh, leaning to one side, a leopard with four heads and four wings, and a beast that is not like any other beast he's ever seen, with ten horns and a little horn that comes up with eyes and a mouth uh, and talks, alright? I mean, what was on Daniel's pizza before he went to bed that night? I, I, I don't know. Now, remember, I'm, I'm joking about that. This is a vision from God to him. He doesn't understand it, and now we're going to get the interpretation of it. And here it is, verse 17. These four great beasts are four kings, who shall arise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever, Endeavor. ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the four beasts which was different from all the rest, the fourth beast which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet and about the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn that came up and Uh, and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things and that seemed greater than its companions. And as I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth, and trample it down, and break it to pieces. And as for the ten horns, out of this Uh, kingdom ten kings shall arise and another shall arise after them he shall be different from the uh, former ones and shall put down three kings he shall speak words against the most high he shall wear out the saints of the most high and shall think uh, to change the times and the laws and they shall be given into his hands for a time times and half a time but the court shall sit in judgment that's us, by the way. That's kind of cool. The court shall sit in judgment, and his uh, dominion shall be taken away and be consumed and destroyed to the, uh, to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. The kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Can you say, wow, wow? a lot of stuff there, right? Is there a word for a I'm sure there is. I'll have to look it up for you. Is there a Hebrew word for nightmare is the question. I said, yeah, there absolutely is. So, let's go back to this chart here and try to figure out exactly what these beasts are. Again, I want to show you that what Daniel is looking at here is parallel to the same uh, stat to the statue, it's parallel to the statue. So the lion being uh, the the king, if you will, of the jungle, the most fierce, Babylon was the most fierce there, and the and the wings of an eagle, the majesty there that was given, this is Babylon. It equals Babylon, the same thing. The bear, uh, being powerful as it was with three ribs in its mouth, overpowering, taking over uh, Babylon, and uh, leading to one side shows that one side uh, is greater than the other side. They're showing the difference between the Medes and the Persians. Again, showing this, and the reason why it's tilted to one side is the Persians were eventually overcame the Medes, but it shows them as well. The leopard, I love. I love the leopard because this is even more uh, uh, information for us that we have. The leopard is Greece, just like we said earlier. Now, uh, what is some of the things that are significant? First of all, Alexander the Great, when he took over the world, took over the world faster than anybody else in history. Just absolutely ransacked over everybody. That's the picture of the four wings that are there. But then when Alexander the Great died, he did not have a successor. There was no successor for him. And so what happened was when he died, the the Gratian uh, territory, what, what he conquered was divided up between four generals, the four heads of the leopard. And four generals took over those lands and ruled over those lands. Now listen, I want you to understand how amazing this is. Daniel is prophesying this and prophesying it with so much uh, accuracy from God and his dream that he had that he's even got it down to the four generals that are going to take over uh, Alexander's country. Uh, when he takes over, do you see this? Daniel's back at five hundred five BC. When was uh, the the uh, Greece we saw there? Uh, Greece was all the way at three thirty six BC. That's hundreds of years prior to that. And God knew and gave to Daniel to the to the picture of understanding that even the breaking down of the great Grecian uh, kingdom was to four generals. You see how that goes there. And then we have the fierce beast with the, the iron teeth. This is the Roman Empire, okay? But this is the Roman Empire all the way through time. So the, the, all of the legs of, of the statue, this is the Roman Empire coming in, powerful, Iron stomping down, beating down. And the, where it talks about the fact that he beat down and trampled and destroyed everything, that is a picture of the tribulation period where the Antichrist and this one world government is going to uh, destroy really the earth in, the, in this process. The horns then that are given, you see the ten horns, this is the divided kingdom, the revived Roman Empire, okay? The ten horns represent the um, political and governmental structure of the Antichrist. So, after the rapture of the church, as I believe the church will will be raptured, the Antichrist comes on the scene, he takes rule, he, he rules and reigns, and he divides up the earth into ten areas of rule there will be 10 kings 10 areas of rule throughout that will be be king and the antichrist will be a part of this the 10 horns and these 10 rules but eventually what will happen is the antichrist will rise up above all of them we see three horns being taken out that means that he will wipe out three of those kings and then the other kings will fall into place and he'll be the one world government there rule okay all of this all of this from Daniel's dreams and Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And then you say, Pastor Mike, how in the world do you tie all of that together to get to this? Are you eating the same pizza that Daniel's eating? Right? Well, if we go to Revelation chapter number 17, and just in a couple verses here, we see here how this all even ties together in this picture. Look, look at the apocalyptic writing of Revelation 17. Now, this is not in your notes, but this is just extra here. And the ten horns. What ten horns? The ten horns that we saw on the beast in Daniel's vision. Going all the way back to that, which you know John would have understood what he was talking about because John would have uh, studied the Old Testament, would have known this. Um, And so we see this revelation. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have not yet received royal power. But they are to receive authority as kings... For one hour. The, do you see what he's setting up here? The, they're gonna, we're going to have a ten-country rule. The Antichrist is going to come in, and he's going to give us a ten-country rule around the world, and we're all together, kumbaya, it's great, they have power. For how long? Well, just a really short time, because the Antichrist has taken over, right? It's going to set it up as if we're all good, all... Have you heard the word peace in the first half of the tribulation period? It's going to be peaceful, and we're all going to be happy, and sets it all up. Receive authority as kings for one hour, together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war with the Lamb. They'll, they'll war against God, okay? And the Lamb will conquer them. We will have the battle of Armageddon. At the end, Jesus will come and will wipe them out. Uh, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings, and those with Him are called and chosen and faithful. So we see in the statue, we didn't go over it with the beast, but it's also there in Daniel chapter 7 if you want to read it. Daniel chapter 7 also shows that God's kingdom comes in and wipes out all of these beasts, wipes out the last beast. So here's the scenario. We have Kingdoms that will rise and fall from 606 B.C. all the way to the end of time. The last kingdom that will rise will be the kingdom of the Antichrist. It will be destroyed by God who will come in and will set up his kingdom that will rule and reign forever. Okay, We have that laid out for us to know exactly how this is going to take place and we have this in general but then we also see that specifically these kingdoms have risen and fallen just as God said prophesied hundreds of years before it came through now just from observation of this just from observation what have we seen here in these prophetic apocalyptic writings of Daniel and how they were interpreted interpreted We see that not only did these things written in apocalyptic writing, which was the statue, the statue gave us ideas of something else, the animals gave us ideas of something else, they were apocalyptic writing, but they were literally translated into specific things and times that are happening here on the earth. Okay. Going back to the hermeneutical study of uh, grammatical historical reading and understanding of, of this. So here we have God, here we have God not only giving us the prophecy in, with King Nebuchadnezzar and the prophecy with Daniel, but we also have God giving the interpretation, right? He gives the interpretation to Daniel of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and he gives the interpretation to Daniel of his dream. And what's the end result? Well, the end result is a grammatical, historical rendering of the interpretation there. It's literal. It's not spiritualized. It's not, it's not um, allegorical or anything. It's literal there, okay? So that's my observation. That's what I see in that. You take it or leave it. But it's very interesting to me uh, that, that God interprets these prophetic, ap- apost- apostolic, good grief, of ap- what's the word? Apocalyptic. Nate get up here and teach this buddy you got these words down I tell you what and so that's very interesting to me I only give you that as a side note there are many people that are much smarter than I am that could come by and maybe destroy that whole thing but I just thought as I was studying that again as I was reading that again I thought that's, that's just interesting to me how God interpreted the scriptures okay uh, and, uh, but we can go forward from that with all of that said, good grief, I feel like I talk like micro machine man up here to you. I'm so sorry. But there's just so much in this. Are there any questions at this point? Nate. Do You think um on the tanking would be rolling, do you get that to go and be like done for one hour? Like everything like the timeline used to do the bar and earl, do you need that one hour So in Revelation? Do I think that when it says that they'll rule together for one hour? Uh, no, I do not believe that that is uh, a literal one hour. I think it is a, a symbol of giving to a short period of time. So if, if the tribulation period is a seven year period of time, which we do believe that to be uh, accurate, uh, the idea is, is that they're going to come into power and be excited about the power they have, but it's only going to be for a short, it's going to be short lived. Okay, Um, so I don't, uh, yeah, I don't think it'll just be be an hour. I think it'll be a little bit longer than that, but it still will be short there. Okay, great question. Anybody else? Gloria, yes. Okay, so is it important for us to know the present day... name of those countries and i would say no it, it isn't um be, because territories change uh things change and, and stuff like that so you know um we can use israel as that uh, illustration so we have israel now back but we don't have they don't have all of the land that they were promised and stuff like that but they're still israel um hopefully they'll get their land back but the other other things there no i don't i don't think it's important that we know what the current names are it's interesting It's very interesting to try to correlate that, but uh, I think that can change even as we go. What we do know, though, is that Babylon was real. The Medo-Persian Empire was real. The Greek uh, Empire was real. These were real places at real times that really, really did happen and and, and exactly how it was laid out. So, absolutely, good question. Anybody else? Okay, let's move on. If that hasn't... uh, Boggled your mind yet? There's another prophetic timeline that's given to us that Daniel also has. We find this in Daniel chapter 9, so this is in your notes, this passage of Scripture, so we'll not read it from the screen. To give us the context of Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is praying for his country. He's praying for the children of Israel who are sinning against God, and he's asking for uh, repentance for them and repentance for himself. And God sends the angel Gabriel to come and minister to Daniel. And in in that ministry, he comes to give him a prophetic uh, timeline uh, of the future of Israel. And so, as Daniel is praying, Daniel's interest in prayer here is for his people and the children of Israel. And I want you to get this now, because this is very important. Daniel is praying for Israel, his context is Israel, his thought line is Israel, so the prophecy that's given to Daniel is based upon Israel, very good, okay, because this is very important, because this this shows us the timeline for Israel that is different than the timeline for the church, okay, so we need to understand this and and how this all plays uh, together, so, man, you guys are sharp, that's so good, very good, Daniel chapter 9, Verse 24, 24 through 27, he says, Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit and to anoint a most holy place. "'Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem "'to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks. "'Then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moats, and, uh, but in a troubled time. "'And after the sixty-two weeks an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing.' And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and the end there shall be war, desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week. He shall put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on The desolator all right so all you guys got that (laughs) I can move on we're good what is going on here well here's what we have to understand how many of you know that our English language is limited compared to other languages It very much is. The Greek language is a very exact language, has many words for what we use for just one word. The Hebrew language is also a pretty exact language uh, that was used. But So this is in Hebrew when this was written, the Hebrew language. And unfortunately, in the Hebrew language, there's a word that's given that is not in the English language. We have no word to translate that's the same. And that is a group of seven years. They have a word for a group of seven years, okay? We don't have a word for a group of seven years, but we do have a word for a group of seven days, right? If I want to tell you what a group of seven days is, I use what word? I say it's a week, right? So in translating, we had to use, or, or, or those who translated the Bible used the word weeks to give us this concept, all right? So the word here, weeks, literally means a grouping of seven years, not seven days, seven years, okay? Uh, this is why the translation must, and this is why I say this in here, this little note here, this is why you must take the Word of God from a translation that is Hebrew and Greek. A paraphrase doesn't work, all right, and, and they may be okay even with this, at that but. You've got to understand that it's got to be translated from the original Hebrew uh, and Greek. So what is Daniel talking about here? Excuse me. Daniel is talking about 70 units of 7. Okay? Or the 7 is 7 years. 70 units of 7 years. Are you with me? So 70 times 7 is 490. Okay? So Daniel is laying out here, well, actually Gabriel is giving this to him. Gabriel is the one that's telling him this from God, that the time has been established that Israel has a timeline of 490 years. And so how does this break down? How does this unfold for us? How do we um, have it? This is the timeline for Israel. So let's break this down so we can see it. It's on the chart that's in your uh, Pack it there. It's Daniel's 70 weeks. You might not be able to see it on the board. Hopefully you can see it at home uh, better. Um, but Daniel's 70 weeks here for you. Now, here's what's really cool. If you were a part of our Nehemiah study... It sets you up for what we're talking about. Remember, he said 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, uh, and to atone for the iniquities. And he goes on and says that this begins now with the rebuilding, the command to rebuild Jerusalem. Who was that command given to? Nehemiah by God. Nehemiah wanted to go uh, and rebuild Jerusalem. So Nehemiah goes back and rebuilds Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Now remember, he built the wall in 52 days. Uh, That was a miracle of God. But the completed, completed all of Israel took 49 years. Okay? So it took 49 years to rebuild or seven weeks. Okay? So you see that in your blank there? 49 years. So seven units, 49 years. And then from the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the cross, we see another 434 years to the cutting off of the Messiah. 434 years or 62 weeks. And I'll let you look up these references for you if you like uh, when you get home. All right? So, the command to go out and build, rebuild Jerusalem... To the cutting off of the Messiah, the one, the death of Jesus, uh, was given us seven weeks and 62 weeks, a total of 483 years. And many scholars have studied this out. I want you to understand they've studied this out, and they can, I can't, they can actually take you to the exact day that the command went out to rebuild Jerusalem, to the day that Jesus went into Jerusalem to ride, rode in Jerusalem there and died on the cross. And it is exactly 483 years. Exactly. Uh, So, again, God's Word given. Daniel prophesied this all the way back where he did. And now we are seeing these 483 years. Now, let me go back to... So in Daniel, as we read this, Daniel chapter uh, 9. Okay, from the going out out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, that's Jesus Christ, right? The anointed one, Jesus is anointed. A prince, there shall be um, seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks it shall be um, built again with squares and moats, but in the troubled times. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one, that one, Jesus Christ, shall be cut off and shall have have nothing. He, He died. He was laid in the tomb. Of course, we praise God he rose again. But the anointed one died on the cross. And the people of the prince who is to come, who is that, who is to come... Uh, "...shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, Uh, its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be a war, desolations are decreed." That person is the Antichrist, is who he's talking about there. So what you see here for Israel is you see 483 years from the command to build Jerusalem to the cutting off of the Messiah, and then for the children of Israel, you see the Antichrist come. Okay? Okay. What isn't revealed to Daniel in this is what we currently call the church age that we are currently living in right now, the last days, the end times. This is So remember, uh, at, the, at the death of res, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel now wasn't just for the Jews, it now was to everyone. Gentiles were included. As well. We have a time of the Gentiles that is taking place here, a dispensation of grace that is given here. This is not revealed to Daniel. And it, becomes, it comes be between the 69th week and the 70th week. So, uh, I wish I had a, a board up here to write, to write this down for you. So, we have in, in Israel's timeline, we have 69 weeks of Daniel's prophecy already fulfilled. Okay? And the remainder of that will be fulfilled because remember, what's the purpose of the tribulation period? To draw Israel back to God and to pay, uh, to, uh, pay a price to those who have sinned. The 70th week begins for the seven-year tribulation period, which is the last unit of seven that is given uh, there. And so we see that on the last year timeline there. The tribulation period, it is seven years and it is broken up into three and a half years In three and a half years. The first three and a half years, the Bible says is as peace and let me define that for you that doesn't mean it's going to be a peaceful time it means that it is going to be order to chaos, that's that's huge you need to understand that, I believe the church is raptured out, I believe the world is in complete turmoil, I believe countries are falling apart, governments are falling apart the antichrist comes on the scene establishes these, these ten uh, governments for, to set up peace and, and safety and structure throughout all of this and that's what it's going to seem like to be peace for that first three and a half years, the the last three and a half years is known as the great, tribula- the great Tribulation where the wrath of God is poured out on sinful man and draws Israel back. But we see here a timeline given to Israel for 490 years and we see now how it is fulfilled, given to Daniel, that 483 of those years have already been completed and that when we come to the tribulation period, we have the last seven years for that. Any questions on that? Kim? So is that where times, times, and half of times comes in? Yes. When you read in the scripture that talks about times, times, and half of times, that, that the time is the first year, the times is the uh, second and third year, and the half of year is, is the half. So you've got a singular time, one year. Times, add two more years, half a time is Uh, The three and a half years. So when you read that in Revelation, you read that also in Daniel. That's what he's talking about. And when he talks about this in in Daniel here, he says that he's going to set up in the beginning of the tribulation period uh, peace with Israel, a covenant with Israel that Israel will be allowed to rebuild their temple. That's going to happen and that Israel is going to be protected by the Antichrist and will be protected militarily so that, so that even Israel will not have a military uh, any longer because the Antichrist will protect him. And then three and a half years in, after the time, times and half a time, he breaks that covenant and the world comes to destroy Israel. Uh, and and to wipe them off the face of the earth, and that takes, through all that last three and a half years, and then uh, Jesus, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, comes and frees Israel from this uh, attack, and uh, salvation reigns through the children of Israel, because there's going to be salvation of the children of Israel, because they will accept at that point their, their Messiah. So, wow, that was a lot for just time, times, and half a time, so i tell you all right Nate. uh i'm not sure for what Well, did the rabbis interpret this as as seven years yeah i i i think that um that they would have to uh as far as daniel went they would they would interpret that uh Absolutely. So, when Jesus was on the earth, the, those that were uh, the rabbis and stuff should have known that he was the Messiah. Yes, he fulfilled those prophecies. They just didn't want to see it. They didn't want to accept it. They, they wanted their power and stuff like that. So, great, great they should know. They should have known, yes. Uh, do they know today? I, you know, again, um, uh, you know, they don't accept Jesus as the Messiah, so they kind of blind themselves uh, to that, um, and I don't know how they would interpret Uh, that but yes absolutely any other questions Barb oh before the the, uh, 69th and 70th week on the timeline comes between that line there comes, comes between 69th and 70th just those words comes between if you didn't get that I'm sorry anybody else Oh, everybody was going, what's that line? What is that? What's that blank? He didn't tell us. I can't see. Oh. Wow, I'm glad that was easy. Comes between. That's all, that's all you need to know. Comes between. Very good. That was so much fun. You know, Barb, when you asked that question, this whole section over here went, oh. That was really cool. So thank you. Absolutely. Okay. Any other questions on this? Alright, so your last chart there, I don't know how well you're going to see it on the screen, but I will, I will give it to you. Your last chart for tonight is I just want to give you, this is my timeline, this is, this is, and it, it's based upon others, so you know, don't get all excited that I've created this, but this is my timeline uh, of how I see the, uh, the end times play out. Okay? This is how I see from the, the uh, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ through the end of the age to eternity, future to the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem. There. So you have the cross. You have Jesus' death burial, resurrection, ascension, and we go into the church age. We go into Pentecost, the beginning of the church, and where we are today. We are in the church age as of right now. This is a parenthetical age that is not given in the the, the prophecy uh, outlines that we gave. It can go as long as God desires it to go. This is the age of grace. This is the time where God says uh, that, that he is um, long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God, this is the time where Jesus said only the Father knows the times of the coming. This is, this is where we're living right now, that God has his calendar, has his time, knows exactly how long uh, this period will go, and then the next event that's going to take place, you have those two arrows there, um, that is the rapture of the church. Okay. Can anybody tell me, based upon our study last time, why do we have an arrow going up, meeting an arrow in the, uh, above the timeline? Why is that? What do you think? We meet, him in the air. we meet Him in the air. That is the rapture. We meet the Lord in the air. Jesus does not come back to the earth. Gary, you get 15 extra heaven points for that. Very good. Uh, I don't know if I have the authority to give those out or not. But anyways, the rapture of the church. Okay. Once the church is raptured, we have the tribulation period that we've talked about a little bit. Um, we have the rise of the Antichrist that comes through the tribulation period that is a seven-year period. Uh, I told you about the, making the covenant and breaking it, the, God's wrath poured out. And at the very end of the tribulation period, right at the end of that, is that arrow coming down is the Battle of Armageddon. We haven't talked about that yet, but, but we will get there. This is where Israel is surrounded by the armies of the world to wipe Israel out. The covenant has been broken, and Jesus comes on his horse, Revelation tells us, I think it's Revelation 19, as he comes, has king of kings, lord of lords, and he uh, fights the battle um, in the the valley there, wipes out um, all that are there just by speaking it. Israel is saved, uh, revival breaks out. they accept him as Lord and Savior. Those who are saved at that time and saved on the earth, we have Jesus now fulfilling his second advent. And that second arrow there is the second coming of Christ. Okay? So the reason why I have that, he comes in the air, fights the battle of Armageddon, then he comes down to the earth. The lion is the earth there. He sets up his rule and reign, a uh, thousand year reign. There. Those who are alive on the earth physically and saved will go physically into the millennial kingdom. We will already have been raptured, have our glorified bodies. We will come back. We will rule and reign with Jesus during that thousand-year time. There will be in that millennial reign those who are alive. They will procreate. There will be more people that will be Brought into the earth, population will grow, it'll be a utopia, there'll be no sin, but salvation will still be the same. They will still have to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I don't have this on this this timeline, but what that will do is towards the end of the millennial reign, uh, there'll be a battle where Satan is loosed. Those that are alive and have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior will rebel. A big group of them will rebel against Jesus Christ. It's amazing to think about. Satan dupes them again, and they are wiped out, and then we have the great white throne judgment. So that last uh, line there that's going up there, the line there is the great white throne judgment. At the end of the millennial reign there, you see that arrow that goes up? There's a line uh, underneath there. It's the great white throne judgment. What I have not given you, you might be thinking about this if you know anything about this, I have not given you where the um, uh, judgment seat of Christ is, that's after the rapture of the church, that's in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb also happening during that time. Uh, We can talk about those as we go forward as well, but that is not there. And so uh, at, the, at the great white throne judgment, you recognize that uh, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, everybody will be resurrected uh, there. We will have already been taken care of, the Old Testament saints and, and those who are uh, tribulation saints and those who died during all that time will stand before the great white throne judgment those who are saved the bible says are sheep and they will go into heaven and those who are lost they're, they're equivalent to goats and they will be cast into hell and then we will go on into eternity future a new heaven new earth new jerusalem will take place there okay and that's what we're all looking forward to there okay any questions on that So, during the millennial kingdom, because there is no sin, will there be death? Uh, There will not be death in the millennial kingdom. You are absolutely right. Now, there's a caveat to that, and that is this. The Bible says that Jesus will rule with an iron fist, okay? So, there will be sin in the millennial kingdom uh, at the beginning, primarily, but eventually it will go away because sin will be dealt with swift and fast, and they will be killed. So, whatever your sin is uh, that you commit... um, your life is over at that point. And that's pretty good to turn um, there. So, uh, and, uh, and so throughout that, though, there, there will be, uh, sin will be done away with. It will not be completely taken away at the very beginning. It will be done away with over time. There, so basically, there, Satan will be bound for that time. There will not be temptation as we know it today. Uh, and experience it, Uh, so because of that, there will not be necessarily that draw to sin. The only ones that can uh, draw to that would be the ones that initially come in that still have their old ways there that will eventually pass on. So, yeah, you're exactly right. Good. Good. Gary? Gary? Good! I didn't know if I did that or not. So on your chart, there are two lines that are there. Uh, I, is there an arrow pointing down as well? Good! Because I didn't update it on there, and I didn't update it in mine, so I'm glad that, that it's there. I thought after I made this uh, that I should distinguish that the uh, line that is going down with the, uh, the blank that is for uh, going down, that's the goats at the Great White Throne Judgment, the goats. Those are the sinners, the lost people, if you will. And then the arrow that's going up to the right is the sheep, those who have accepted Christ. Remember, I just said at the great white throne judgment, those who stand before them, those that are saved are the sheep. They'll go into, uh, into heaven. and Those who are the goats will go uh, into hell. And I added that last minute uh, and uh, I forgot to change it on my stuff. So I'm glad you got that. So finish that up. Any other questions? Great questions tonight. Thank you. Very good. Is this making sense to you? Are you understanding this as we're going a- along and how this is laying out? Um, this is all setting us up because when we get to Revelation, we'll, we'll see then how this all, all plays out. And as I said, the next time, uh, next session, we're going to be looking at current events. Uh, what the Bible says gen- uh, generally for us, and then five specific areas that I think uh, is evidence that we are closer than we've ever been before uh, for the return of the Lord, for the rapture of the church. I, I-, I believe we're close, church. I really believe we're close. Um, and that's not just because it was 2,000 plus years ago that Jesus died on the cross. <laughs> There's other, other reasons as well. Before we go with this, are there any other questions? Well, Yes, Gloria. Yes. When we are raptured, are we going to get our new body? Yes. Corinthians tells us that in the process of the rapture, uh, immortali- or mortality puts on immortality. Imperfection puts on perfection. Our body is changed in, in that moment. Uh, that is when we get our glorified bodies. Absolutely. So those that are in heaven right now, um, will they get their glorified body uh, at the uh, at the rapture of the church or the raising uh, of the dead? So the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up uh, as well. That is when they will get their glorified body as well, uh, because it's a bodily resurrection that is taking place. That's what Jesus is referring to. When we die here on the earth, our, uh, we, to put us as a trichotomy uh being, we have body, soul, and spirit. The soul being our our will, our mind, and our spirit being spiritual aspect, and then our body being the physical aspect. When we die, our body and soul go immediately to uh, heaven. Paul said that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Okay? So this, the last breath we take here on earth, our next breath is going to be in heaven in the presence of God. What will we look like? What will we be? I have no idea. It, you know, so uh, the best picture I can give you, and this is very inadequate, if you were to take a football Okay, inside that football is an inner tube that is the exact same shape as the pigskin on the outside of that. If the pigskin, if you will, or the the outside covering was taken off, okay, that being the body put into the grave, you have this uh, inner tube section which would represent the, the soul and the spirit uh, that looks exactly like the football, the same shape and everything that, would, that you would send up into heaven. So, you know, would we have uh, a body that, that is material or immaterial? I don't know. The only thing that I do know is that if you remember at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, when Jesus came to meet Mary Magdalene, he said, Don't touch me because I have not ascended yet to the Father. And it means there that he had not received yet his glorified body at that point. But he was seen. uh, He could have been touched. So I don't know what all that's going to look like. What I do know, though, is that when the rapture takes place, the resurrection of the dead rises and we who are alive and remain are caught up. In that moment, in that twinkling of an eye, we will be given a glorified body uh, there. And it will be perfect and uh, it will not corrupt or anything that way. Very good, Thomas did touch Jesus. That was after Jesus came back. So, (laughs) thanks Pastor Dave, let me explain that uh, there. Uh, So, Jesus ascended twice. Right after he was resurrected... Before he saw the disciples, Jesus had to go to the Father uh, for the, to complete the resurrection uh, process there. Then when he came back, and, and we see where he met the disciples in the, uh, in the room there, and he kind of came in with the doors locked and all that stuff. At that point, Jesus was already in his glorified body. Now, Jesus' glorified body is way different than ours in the sense that his body will carry the marks of the cross in his body. Okay, so the marks of the cross in his hands and in his feet and in his side, he will have those for all of eternity as a reminder of his sacrifice for us. However, we will be given a glorified body that may or may not walk through walls at some point. That may or may not fly. I don't know. You know, uh, my my sci-fi mind goes nuts at this point. To have you know to have fun? All right, uh, but I will tell you this. It won't be boring, and, and we will enjoy it, and it will be fun, and we'll have a good time, and, and so uh, it's going to be better and more wonderful than anything we can imagine uh, here uh, on the earth, and we'll see that when we get into Revelation 20, uh, 22, a brief picture of heaven there, uh, and we'll see how wonderful and glorious that is. But thank you. Great questions. Anybody else? on another thought. Well, we went about an hour, hour and, and ten minutes. Was this a little bit easier to digest tonight? A little bit, uh, backside's not numb, maybe. So uh, we're doing okay. So we're going to dismiss um, here and want to encourage you not to not to run out. We have you know about fifteen minutes. Um, let's just have some, uh, some fellowship maybe. Maybe if you want to get it with someone and maybe have some prayer or something like that. If you have a prayer request or something along those lines. But let's visit for a little bit and then uh, be out of here by, by 8 o'clock. If you have to go, completely understand, but would we'll enjoy the fellowship if we can have it. Okay?